Hello, it's David here. The Leader brings you news, analysis, interviews and special features every day at 4pm. And we're recorded on the day, so you're always getting the most up-to-date commentary from the Evening Standards newsroom. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. A second coronavirus wave may be coming. Is the UK able to stop it? I actually call it the martini menace because it could happen anytime, any place, anywhere. You've booked a lovely holiday and then you find that, um, well, actually, you've got to sit in your house for two weeks when you get home. We speak to travel journalist Simon Calder. Which European countries could Downing Street add to the quarantine list? And you've done your selfie, so you don't actually need to think about lobbying your company with better suggestions for gender pay or childcare or flexible working. I mean, if you can do both, great, but it just feels like this is a bit of a, of a virtue signalling nothing. Comment editor Susanna Butter, why hashtag challenge accepted is smug narcissism. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, is the government making up coronavirus rules on the hoof? This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. If the lifting of some lockdown restrictions had you thinking of letting your guard down, the messaging from government today may be alarming. A minister has told the Evening Standard that considering imposing quarantine measures on some countries amid fears of a second coronavirus wave, and that could jeopardise the planned reopening of schools in September. In fact, with cases increasing rapidly in some parts of Europe, it's reported the Prime Minister fears COVID-19 could make a resurgence in the UK within two weeks. Our editorial column says it's essential Downing Street gets a counter-strategy up and running now. The looming new risk makes it critical for those who govern us to secure our trust through sensible, swift, targeted action that avoids spreading panic and a defensive mindset. Unfortunately, the jury remains out on their ability to do this. 
Ministers were right to introduce quarantine in the face of rising infections in Spain, but the flip-flopping since is in danger of eroding public confidence. Ministers need to be ahead of the game with clear, well-communicated plans, rather than appearing to be making policy on the hoof. Well, it's the airports where those policies are hitting right now. Spain's on a quarantine list. Others may follow. Travel agencies and airlines are up in arms and travel journalist Simon Calder is with me now. Simon, does anyone know what's going on? Uh, No, exactly. Nobody knows, but they are getting increasingly angry. We are seeing what, what we've seen really for the last four months since lockdown began is the travel industry obviously imploding, losing billions of pounds, but sitting on its hands largely thinking, okay, well, we're going to need to get some help from the government. So we better be quite sort of polite. But that's all now been abandoned. You've got EasyJet holidays saying, come on, give us a clue. ABTA, the Travel Association, who normally are quite meek when it comes to government, saying, uh, please give us the data on which you're you're basing your decisions. Because actually this yo-yoing, you know, on the 10th of July saying, hey, everybody, why don't you go to sunny Spain on the 15th saying, Actually, no, we think it's now too dangerous, but you're all right, perhaps on the islands. And then two days after that, oh, no, you can't go to the islands either. And compounding that with what we've heard in the past two days with um, Boris Johnson saying, you know, there could well be a second wave. Nobody knows what's going on. And then Oliver Downton, the culture secretary, coming out and saying, um, oh, well, you can book holiday if you want. But frankly, uh, you know, we're playing, um, as uh, the boss of Heathrow put it, quarantine roulette nobody knows it i actually call it the martini menace because it could happen anytime any place anywhere you've booked a lovely holiday and then you find that um well actually you've got to sit in your house or your flat for two weeks when you get home and just before we started recording this for the podcast simon you heard from some news from british airways didn't you Uh, Yeah, and this is all part of the same sort of pattern. British Airways has, I think, the finest headquarters building of any airline I've ever seen. It's called Waterside, built in 1998, beautifully laid out, loads of space um, set in this kind of very ornate landscape park with lots of water features. It's a great place to work. However, it's been largely empty, of course, since lockdown, people working from home. Um, and now we understand that it's going to be largely mothballed for at least six months in a bid to cut costs. It just shows what's going on. And um, on, on uh, Tuesday night, they were auctioning off some of the artworks from their collection, which raised, I think, £1.8 million, pounds, um, which is only a blip. That sort of you know, that'll keep them going for an afternoon at the moment. Um, but it's still better than nothing. And it just shows how much they're desperate to cut costs, given the um, appalling uh, situation that they are facing. And that's a very stark, very visible consequence of what's happening and the uncertainty that's being caused by coronavirus and this fear of a second wave. Something that the boss of Heathrow was calling for was to test people as they come through the airport. Is that a practical idea, Simon? Uh, Well, look, he was absolutely clear um, and refreshingly so, I must say, because there's been quite a lot of tosh talked by the um, aviation industry about how, oh, it's fine. Yeah, just test people before they get on the plane or test them when they get off and that we'll all be we'll all be, quote, safe. Of course, we won't. It's all about managing risk. And he is perfectly prepared to talk through the 
um, the, the, the fact that if you test people as soon as they arrive, they're negative. You then test them again after five days. Um, you, you're going to catch, um, I think, 85 percent of any possible cases. If you leave it for another couple of days, you're going to catch uh, uh, 94 or so. And the whole idea is that um, basically you find um, that almost all the risk uh, uh, has um, disappeared and that, in fact, you are in a um, uh, you're able to start um, uh, intercontinental air travel again in a meaningful way and avoid all these um, uh, sudden nasty quarantines. And he actually I was talking to him earlier and he said that um, really keen to set up a pilot project, uh, no pun intended, with Singapore and with Canada, um, really important markets for Heathrow, not being served uh, to any scale at the moment. And um, that, they hope, would kind of be able to persuade people that it's all right to fly again and persuade the authorities it's all right. And quite significantly, they are much more business destinations than the um, uh, current upset, which is, of course, all about uh, Spain and the environs. Do we know any more about any more countries going on the quarantine list, Simon? Ah, well, um, uh, Oliver Dowden was was refusing to be drawn on this. Um, he was, uh, uh, the cultural secretary um, was, was asked about it. And he said, quote, we're not going to give running commentaries on this. I mean, you can go, the trouble is, David, the, the data. Um, so I've done a story about how um, actually it's perfectly all right to go to a country which has a um, infection rate, which is 1,382 percent higher than the UK's. That is Luxembourg. Um, but of course, the Luxembourgeois say, um, well, that's only because we test pretty much everybody. We've tested some of them twice. And um, the more you test, the, the higher the infection rates. And so therefore, looking at the raw data, even if it is properly uh, sourced, for example, by um, the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, th that is going to give you a whole lot of numbers, which on the face of it, make it look as though Spain, Portugal, um, are, are kind of looking really serious, but there's there's other reasons at work, and that almost takes us back to the start, which is that the travel industry wants to know how the decisions are being made, partly because they actually can then watch trends. If they know what trends to watch, they will be in a better position when suddenly everything is uh, called off, and secondly, because they um, also think it will put pressure on the. Uh, um, on the government not to make um, uh, kind of sudden decisions of the sort we saw on Saturday night, which I've never in all my all my years um, seen before. And you can keep up with the latest developments on the potential second wave with the Evening Standard's live blog at standard.co.uk. Next. I think the very act of posting this glamorous, flattering selfie where conveniently you also look great makes you kind of wonder who it's really benefiting. Susanna Butters had enough of Instagram trends masquerading as protest. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Style. The look. Picture perfect. 
Challenge accepted. It's the latest social media trend encouraging people to make a political statement by uploading a photo. This time it's calling on women to post black and white images of themselves in the name of female empowerment. It's become extremely popular. You probably can't miss it on your Instagram feed. But critics have got their knives out for it, calling it an empty gesture at a time of genuine social upheaval. One of them is the Evening Standard's own comment editor, Susanna Butter, who's written an opinion piece on it for the newspaper. Susanna, you've called challenge accepted smug narcissism. Isn't it just people trying to do just one little thing to help? The problem is I don't know how much it helps and how much it just distracts from the issue. Um, Because obviously most right-thinking people would agree with all the feelings behind it, all the sentiment behind it. But by feeling like you're doing something and raising awareness, and then you sit back and you think, right, job done, I don't really know how much that progresses causes. And in fact, it might set them back because you've done your selfie. So you don't actually need to think about lobbying your company with better suggestions for gender pay or childcare or flexible working. I mean, if you can do both, great. But um, it just feels like this is a bit of a, of a virtue signalling nothing. So is there a danger of people doing this and then not doing the next stage, the actual activism that's required to make change? I think we've all sat on our phones scrolling and looking at things and going, yeah, 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 that all, that all sounds good. But these are big problems that we've been wrestling with for centuries. And obviously raising awareness has its role to play and can eventually put pressure, but you need you need that bigger framework. So. I mean, someone more positive than me might think all these women are going to come together and do something. But actually, a lot of the women posting these pictures write the hashtag without even really knowing what they are. Even Nigella Lawson, who I hugely admire, um, said that she posted it because she got tired of people asking her to. And she only found out later that it was one of the reasons behind it was to raise awareness of women's murder in Turkey. So the fine you could say now she knows about that murder in turkey but i think the picture in itself isn't going to do much if only it would yeah there is that positive aspect of it and the fact that we're discussing it now means that we bring in those other issues and we talk about where it came from but i think the problem with this one is we're not entirely sure where it came from are we there's a lot of different origin stories and they're all pretty hazy (laughs) there's Um, Yeah, it was started by this Brazilian journalist. There's a thing that it was done to support Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who herself hasn't posted one, hasn't said anything about it. I mean, I'm sure she's glad that people are behind her, but you can do that in other ways. And I think the very act of posting this glamorous, black and white, flattering selfie where conveniently you also look great makes you kind of wonder who it's really benefiting. And is there a pressure, like you said about Nigella, who felt like she had to, to get involved, is there a pressure on people whenever these trends emerge, for whatever reason they're from, to get involved? Because if they don't, then you know they might be ostracised by their peer group. Absolutely, especially in the, at the moment where we aren't really having normal social interactions. So if, if you're at home, working from home, haven't seen many friends for a while, your only link to the world is Instagram and everyone's doing this, you don't want to be left out. And it happens with men too, but particularly with women, there's this social pressure of all the other women are doing this, all the other women are getting likes, and that's not empowering at all. And one other thing, Susie, is I obviously because I'm older than colour photography itself, I have 
black and white images of me as a baby. But do you have any black and white pictures of yourself? <laughs> you're you're um, underestimating my age. Um, you, there, there's some clever filtering going on and um, black and white is often more flattering than colour, especially at the moment when we're all a bit lardy and red from drinking too much wine in lockdown. So the black and white thing's quite convenient, isn't it? <laughs> But yeah, I don't think this is kind of, you know, 80-year-olds with their original black and white photos going out there. This is a stylized fashion choice of putting it in black and white. And there are some people, Susie, who are kind of rebelling against the, the, the black and white nature of this, aren't they? Clover Stroud's shown how you can use this as a jumping off point to actually do something useful. She's posted a colour image, not of herself, um, and she's written a big, long, very powerful caption about the importance of getting smear tests and cancer screenings and that's useful information drawing awareness to a cause so it doesn't have to be a negative thing the hashtag itself is empty but it can be a jumping off point for something more useful that really does empower women you can read Susanna's column in the newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. Keep up to date with our morning audio briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Bye.